The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. You've got the H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on those dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or the third-row seating gets your whole family in to experience the thrill together. The dual wireless charging pads make sure that no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead cell phone. Think about those adventurous activities you can do, like me taking a ski trip up with the family, maybe going on a camping expedition, anything and everything. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. Gary Parrish, welcome back to the CBS Sports Ion College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting, dodo birds, and leaky black. Matt Norlander is here with me. He's at home in Connecticut. I'm in a hotel room, as you can see if you're watching on YouTube, in New York City for CBS Sports Network. I'll be here uh, all week uh, in studio for CBS Sports Network on Wednesday night, doing Time to Shine, filling in for the great Adam Shine on Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday. A busy week up here. Looking forward to it. If you're watching on YouTube, please go smash the like button like your Brandon Davies. You you have consent. If you haven't yet, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Please knock that out while you're here. Let's get into it. So our last episode, our previous episode, was uh, last Friday. Since then, nothing has really happened in the sport of college basketball. Not much to talk about. So we decided to make this episode our annual year-in-review episode. Um, The question is simple. What were the biggest stories of the 2022 calendar year? Not necessarily last season, not necessarily this season. What were the biggest college basketball stories between January 1st, 2022 and today? I made a top 10 list. Deadleg made a top 10 list. We have not seen each other. So hopefully there's some disparity here. We're going to count down from 10 to 1. And I'm going to let Norlander start. With his number 10. Dead leg, in your opinion, what was the 10th biggest story in college basketball in the year 2022? Well, uh, right before I give you number 10 here, on Wednesday, we'll publish the 22 biggest stories of college troops in the year 2022. So keep an eye out for that. So stuff that you think might deserve inclusion on this list. You'll, you may well find it at cbssports.com and on your CBS Sports app. And then there's a there's some ephemera that I want to get to at the end of the episode. Uh, just some some fun stuff. And by the way, thank you to anyone who's joining us live and able to, to chat in real time. Hello. Drop what do you think might be qualified. Some of your favorite memories, biggest stories. We want to see those as well. And uh, we had a tweet sent out and we got some feedback there. So we'll get to that before we're, we're done here. We're going to probably have... So, yeah, you got a list of 10. I've got a list of 10. 
I would think at least six or seven of those stories will probably be the same. So if my number 10 is GP's number seven or GP's eighth is my fifth, we won't double up and talk about the same thing twice. We'll just mention where those are on our respective list. With that in mind, let's get this bad boy rolling. Uh, I actually had a little bit of a uh, little bit of back and forth internally on what I should should settle on with number 10. My, but I'm going to go with something that we've talked about a lot on the pod this season. And though it's been a storyline for four or five weeks, I still think it qualifies and it's, it's been pretty noisy. So this is kind of a, a conglomerate, if you will. Uh, it's, it's Carolina going from number one to unranked and then Purdue going from unranked to number one. And that happened in the first five weeks of the season. That is historic. We have never seen, we had never seen period a team go from number one to unranked as fast as Carolina did. There had never been a team ever that had gone from unranked to start the season to number one. Uh, as quickly as Purdue did, and Purdue did it faster than more than four or five weeks than the previous record setter. Those two things ran parallel to each other. And if you want to toss in, I, you know, I would toss in Zach Eady's National Player of the Year campaign that's built out. I would fold that into the Purdue story, but it's really how the top of the pole has been. Uh, a, a huge plot twist from what we expected there. And we've mentioned the Tar Heels and, and their issues and some of their successes plenty of times on the pod. But as we get to, you know, flipping to 2023, when I look back on what's happened in this calendar year, I think what Carolina has failed to do after a lot of hype and then what Purdue has done with Edie's National Player of the Year campaign and those things running side by side, uh, that would be my 10th biggest story of 2022. I'll also mention it's kind of a sidebar to that. UConn is off to its best start since 98-99. It's also undefeated. It's kind of right there. So that's also involved in that. But that's my item 10. Do you have that on your list? And if not, uh, thoughts, GP? I have all of that on my list. And it has suddenly occurred to me, you know, five minutes into this thing, we really should have talked about this in advance okay. uh, because we're just not using the same criteria. It's fine. How about instead of thinking of this as a list, countdown 10 to 1, it's just an excuse, a device to talk about some of the biggest things that happened in 2022. That's correct. Yeah. Okay. Right. Because my number 10 All right. is Purdue and UConn both going from unranked to number one and number two in the AP poll. Fair. Sort of these stories of college basketball so far this season neither was ranked in the preseason UConn was what amounts to number 27 in the preseason AP poll Purdue was what to, amounts to number 29 they are now number one and number two uh, Purdue's 12 and 0 with wins over Gonzaga Duke West Virginia UConn 13 and 0 with wins over Alabama Oklahoma State Iowa State all 13 wins for the Huskies have come by double digits. And then they both have national player of the year candidates, Zach Eady at Purdue, Adama Sanogo at UConn. They are currently for whatever it's worth, number one and number four in the Ken Palm player of the year race in between them at number two, Kansas's Jalen Wilson and number three, Gonzaga's uh, drew Timmy. So that's what I had at 10, but I have had North Carolina, had Carolina slipping as a separate one. Okay, I'm just going to go ahead and ruin this. North Carolina is my number one story of 2022. We're, we're five minutes into this thing. <laughs> I told you we should have talked about this. North hold, on, Carolina. hold on, 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 hold on. You're you about forgot to, this you is live. That anything connected to North Carolina period is your number one story? I think North Carolina's 2022. Everything that happened in North Carolina in 2022 is the biggest college basketball story of 2022. I'll walk you through it real quick. Um, so they lose on January 22nd 
2022, dropped to 12 and six overall, four and three in the ACC under first year coach Hubert Davis, replacing a legend in Roy Williams. Uh, then they uh, start to get better, beat Duke at Duke in Coach K's final home game on March 5th. Amazing story. You'll remember that forever. Then they beat Duke again in the final four on April 2nd, 2022 to end Coach K's career. Amazing story. You'll remember that forever. Make the national title game. Go up 16 points in the national title game. And then lose to Kansas 72-69 on April 4, 2022. Voted number one in the preseason AP poll on October 17, 2022. And then they dropped to 5-4 and four after a loss to Virginia Tech on December 4, 2022. Fall completely out of the AP poll. Fastest preseason number one to fall out of the top 25 in more than 40 years. To me, North Carolina and everything that has happened to that program, everything that program's gone through from January to this day, is the most memorable, biggest thing in college basketball in 2022. That was the biggest load of crap I've ever heard. Dude, what do you these mean? are multiple different stories. Okay, you ready for this? North Carolina falling out of the AP poll and Purdue going to number one is multiple different stories. Yeah, those you, happen in parallel. Same same timeline. Same well, timeline. These, these all happen with the same program. Uh, not, but not all the same players. But uh, fair enough, fair enough. Now, the good news about this is that it's going to allow you <laughs> is that it's ruined the, the good thing is that it's ruined the podcast <laughs> we're good we're good that's good you got a trivia time you want to screw up right now i did not i did not prepare any trivia time the truth is, i i knew we were going to have different criteria i didn't know it would be this vast we we should have uh we should, of course it's okay that's okay, it's a, that's it's okay. A stupid podcast in december everything's okay Whatever. it's that's a fun year in uh year in review all right um all right but you know we did kind of have a similar, a similar number ten. You had the Purdue UConn. I kind of folded UConn in. I, I debated whether UConn should be its own thing, but that's that's totally fair. All right, number nine for me. Uh, <laughs> this is this is more of it's more of a college football story, but it still impacts college basketball in a major way because one of the programs is obviously much, much, much more well known for its hoops prowess, and that is June thirtieth news breaks. UCLA, USC leaving to go to the Big Ten. Uh, I don't know if I'll remember where I was 10 years from now, but I remember right now uh, I was on vacation and taking my older son to his first movie going experience ever. We were watching the movie Lightyear. And then I got a text message from an unsuspecting person saying uh, something, something along the lines of, you might want to check out something with UCLA and USC going to the Big Ten. I just I just got told that uh, I was like, what? And, you know, phones phones on silent. But I saw I saw the text flare. And so for like the final half of that movie, I'm just like no, not watching whatsoever. Um, so that was uh, that was fun and certainly wild. And then I think it became official. I want to say later that afternoon. But UCLA leaving the Pac-12, a move that will be official in 2024. I mean, 11 national titles, 19 final fours top four program in history obviously now coached by the greatest coach in ucla history and mick cronin not to mention it had a guy who was pretty good at his job named john wooden right and that move uh fairly seismic and maybe i won't say definitely we'll never say definitely when it comes to conference realignment but maybe maybe it's the final major piece of uh of like truly seismic activity on that so although driven by college football i still think the impacts and effects on college basketball are notable uh, I actually wonder, and I've had a couple conversations with some commissioners and, and coaches, uh, there's a curiosity that if we look up 
at the end of this decade, 2029, 2030, will UCLA and USC both, you know, just be no better than sixth best, eighth best, tenth best in that league? Will there will that geographic disparity will it actually negatively impact that program, both of those programs, GP, in a major way? I certainly think it's conceivable. That remains to be seen. We'll have to wait uh, years down the road. But to me, that was the ninth biggest story in college hoops in 2022. Okay. Didn't make my list at all. Um, I acknowledge it is a massive college sports story. I just don't think it matters that much to college basketball. Like, how much will your life change? I mean, you're not going to watch UCLA, Arizona anymore, but you're going to watch UCLA, Indiana. Like, who cares? That'll be awesome. Yeah. No, yeah. I, yeah, yeah. I just don't, I don't think it matters much in the sport of college basketball. I will say to your point, here's my prediction. Every university that made its on-the-field competition more difficult for money will end up regretting it. Everyone. That, that's pretty much almost been the case. We've mentioned this a few times, I think, this year in 2022 and going back before. I mean, there's very few schools that are in a better position from a winning standpoint, dating back to Boston College in 03, Miami, go on down the keep going. Nebraska. Rutger, Rutgers Hoops is now actually in a better spot. But for the most part there, I think Utah's in a better spot marginally than it was before. Missouri's in a worse spot. Oh, now, now let, me, let me be clear. If you can jump from non-Power 5 to Power 5, do that. Absolutely. Yeah. I, like Houston going all. to the Big 12. Yeah. Well, I'm saying when you go from the Big 12 to the SEC for money, you're, you're, making, you're going to regret that. When you go from the Pac-12 to the Big 10 for money, you're going to regret that. Now, when you, go, when you can go from non-Power 5 to Power 5, like TCU did once upon a time, well, now look at it. TCU football is in the college football playoff. TCU basketball is nationally ranked. When you can make a jump in, in, uh, from you know, outside the ropes to inside the ropes, you, you, that's a no-brainer. You have to do that. I, I should have been more specific. But when you go from – like here's – Oklahoma and Texas are going to regret going to the SEC when they struggle to win football games the way that – Texas once did and Oklahoma has almost uh, you know did without exception under Lincoln Riley and I think USC and UCLA will regret moving from the Pac-12 to the Big Ten um, because every winning becomes difficult and there's you know fans don't get off on how nice your charter plane is you know what fans love is is you you going 11 and one and playing for a championship and I, I know that on some level that'll be easier with an expanded playoff. More teams get in, but your path to get Oklahoma's path to getting to a playoff is much more difficult than it ever was in, in the Big 12. It will be. And I think that's something that they will regret. But from a basketball perspective, again, I just don't think it changes the dynamic too much. The Big 10 is still going to be a great basketball league. The Big 12 is still going to be a great basketball league. I don't I don't think it matters that much. Um, number nine. My, my, num my number nine. Patrick Ewing running Georgetown straight into the ground. Okay, this is this was not on my top ten. It will be on the the, the twenty two biggest stories there. It'll be somewhere in the teens. But yeah, go ahead. Um, so Georgetown, once the calendar flipped to two thousand twenty two, went zero and twenty last season. The Hoyas are currently five and twenty eight in the year two thousand twenty two with one game left. They play at DePaul on Thursday. So. Barring an upset, Georgetown is going to finish 2022 5-29. It's a program that hasn't won a game against a Big East opponent since March 13th, 2021. They are currently 169th at Ken Palm. I went and looked this up earlier this morning. Craig Estrick was fired. Great. 
after student protest. They had student protest on campus in uh, following the 2003-2004 season. And that Georgetown team finished 124th at Ken Baum. This one is 169th. And Georgetown finished 175th at Kimpom last season. So 175 last season, 169 this season. Craig Escherich brought about student protest on campus at 124. John Thompson III never finished outside of the top 70 at Kimpom in 13 seasons. Patrick Ewing has never been better than 63 in the previous five seasons. And he's on track to finish outside of the top 160 for the second straight year. This is a program that made the Final Four three times in a four-year span in the 80s. Played in the title game twice in that span, won it all in 1984. Obviously, and this is sort of a weird deal. Patrick Ewing is responsible for the greatest years of Georgetown basketball and also responsible for the worst years of Georgetown basketball. That's, that's, that's a wild story. It's... And it's going to be really one of the bigger stories as we head into 2023. You know, is he going to have is, is he going to uh, swallow his pride and resign or, or or is this going to have to are they going to have to fire him? He'll and, resign. And He'll resign. You can, I don't know. You, I don't know. No, you cannot keep conversations with people about this. There There is split opinion in the industry about uh about this one person who's familiar with Georgetown. I wouldn't say that they're like ultra familiar with Patrick Ewing's thinking, but they, they posited that he straight up will not quit on his university. He will, he will not step down. I, well, no, I, no, the way it will work is, I mean, he's not going to quit. Like I'm tired it's, of doing it's, it's this. It's going to be, it's, we're not doing a mutual parting here. It's either he steps down. No, no, or no, he no, gets no, fired. no, 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 no. Here's what, here's the way it's going to work. Here, here, I, I bet you $500. This is the way it works. They tell him, we don't want to fire you, but you cannot continue as coach. So how do you want to go about doing this? And uh, at that point, he will be um, uh, convinced to resign. And it'll obviously be resigning under pressure, but it'll technically go down as a resignation, not a firing. But that is a firing. That circumstance that you just described is a firing. Yeah, I agree with you. He will not be Georgetown's next co- uh, coach next season, and it will not be be because he just said, you know what, I'd rather sit on the beach all day. It will be because Georgetown decided we can't do this anymore, and that's obviously the right decision to make. I mean, you can lie to yourself and and maybe not even lie to yourself, just convince yourself like, oh, wow, this has gotten really bad, but um, you know, we'll get it back on track. We'll get it back headed the right direction. But when you back last season with this season, there's just nothing anybody can say. I mean, there's no way to – to spin this, even if, if I said, hey, take that $500 I just won from that bet with Norlander, and um, I'm now going to uh, I'm going to give it to you, and I'm going to say, just give me your best defensive Patrick Ewing coming back for the 2023-24 season. You just can't do it. I mean, you, even if you your best your best explanation rationale isn't isn't good enough at this point. And I don't say this um, to be mean or with any I I've said it a hundred thousand times. I grew up. Patrick Ewing is the first big basketball figure in my life. I mean, like not Michael Jordan, not Magic Johnson, not Larry Bird. It's Patrick Ewing because I was a college basketball fan before I was an NBA fan. Patrick Ewing is the is is my introduction to college basketball. And I was hoping he would get this going because I thought it would be uh, the coolest of stories. It just hasn't worked and there's no way to get around it at this point. All right. My number eight. Let's go with the trivia time here. Okay. How many Kentucky players 
in their program's history, men's college basketball, have won a National Player of the Year award? How many Kentucky players have won National Player of the Year? I'm going to say... Have won a National Player of the Year award. I want to be specific with my wording there. Have won a six. National Player of the Year award. Six. I need the building on this, on this thing. I do not have the building. I do... Okay, you're on the money there. Uh, I'm not going to ask you to name them because you can't name more than three. Uh, Anthony Davis. Yes. That's it. I'm done. Yep. John Wall won the oh. Adolph Rupp Trophy, but that okay. was not considered among the big six. That, that trophy has since been discontinued, but it was a National Player of the Year recognition. Wall won it the year Evan Turner swept all the National Player of the Year awards, but he technically he won it. So he counts. And then the other three were Forrest Sale back in 33. I know you remember him. Leroy Edwards in 35, big time. Yeah. And then Jack Givens in 78 when Kentucky made the Final Four. They were all three of those won the Helms National Player of the Year. My eighth biggest story of 2022 was Oscar Shibwe's legendary Player of the Year campaign for Kentucky. He averaged 17.4 points, 15.1 rebounds. He became the first player in more than four decades to average at least 15.1 rebounds in a season there guided Kentucky to a two seed, a huge rebound season after the year before having one of the worst seasons uh, in program history. We know how that ended. We'll get to that in just a little bit. He also averaged 1.8 steals a game, 1.6 blocks per game and was a tremendous uh, poster player for the upside of transferring, particularly as a high major player. Sheboy was one of the 10 best freshmen in the country when he was a freshman playing for Bob Huggins. And then that wound up going sideways. He winds up going to Kentucky and just becomes a, a dominant affable force. One of the faces of the sport and you win national player of the year at a, at a blue blood and a blue blood that plays as a top five, top six team in the country. I think that's a pretty major story overall. It loses a little of its luster because Kentucky failed to get even one win in the NCAA tournament. But uh, Sheboy was irresistible and undeniable and a, a unanimous pick for national player of the year. We don't get that every single season. That was my number eight story. Did not have that on my list. Considered it, obviously. Um, but I sort of like somebody wins national player of the year every year. Like there's not. I mean, I mean it's awesome. It's an awesome achievement, obviously. But like that, that's something that is there every year. Although I do have Shibway involved in a <laughs> at least two stories going forward, and uh, we'll get to them. My number eight was, if you'll accept it. Oh boy. So sort of everything that happened at Louisville, Louisville in the year 2022. Chris Mack um, went to seven NCAA tournaments in eight years at Xavier. Uh, didn't last four full seasons at Louisville, made the NCAA tournament. And it's wild to look back at. Like, if everybody could have just shut up, how much better off would Louisville basketball be right now? If everybody could have just relaxed. I know, but remember, like Chris Mack was, well, actually, I think Chris Mack, that's actually an interesting one. I don't know if he was technically fired or resigned. No, he resigned. He resigned. He, he, resigned. Was, he was said, I'm done. And they paid no, him anyway. He resigned. Um, yeah. I think, I think, my recollection of that is that um, he was like, all right, enough's enough. And they were like, yeah. yeah, we think so too. And then they just sort of talked it out. Yeah. And he got paid. I, I will say, I, I mean, I, 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 yeah. it was a significant amount of money. I, I believe what I believe the, I believe the story is that Chris approached them first saying, Hey, let's figure yes. this out. Yes. And um, so, um, but I was like, as I was going through it this morning, I'm like, Dude, they, if they if everybody could have just said, "Hey, this is bad. This is not going well right now." But like, let's just get through this season and we'll and, and sort of look up and see where we're at. Louisville basketball being a million times better place right now. You know, he made the 
He made didn't didn't last four seasons, but made the NCAA tournament in year one. That's 2019. In 2020, he would have made it. Kimpom projected Louisville as a four seed in the 2020 NCAA tournament. And then the dumbest pandemic of my lifetime uh, prevented that tournament from happening. So, like, let's just say we don't have a pandemic. Wouldn't that be something? Wouldn't uh, that? Wouldn't that have been something? I know. As much as I'd love to, I know. Wouldn't that uh, be something? So uh, then, then Louisville goes into the tournament and has a four seed, makes the final four. I mean, which is not, well, you know, that's very doable. Just yeah, then, even say the Sweet Sixteen. Yeah, even just in, yeah, just in, so anyway, they come back for the 2020-21 season. They only play 20 games. They've got COVID shutdowns for long periods of time. Um, they finished 13 and seven, I believe, or like one of the first teams left out of the bracket, or 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 maybe the first, like barely missed it. And then and then the next season, 2021-22, gets off to a rough start, and Chris resigns after 14 games. They were six and eight overall, five and five. How about this? The Louisville coach who was five and five in the ACC resigned. Mm-hmm. They'd kill for five and five in the ACC right now. You get a bonus for going five and five in the ACC right now if you're the Louisville coach. Because what's happened after that has been an absolute undeniable disaster. Kenny Payne is now two and 11 heading into this weekend's game at Kentucky. So that's two and 12. Louisville is currently 256th at Ken Palm. That's the lowest among all power conference programs, including Cal. Including Cal. They are, they are lower than Cal. I think Cal's up to 241. Wow. Cal beat, I think, UT Arlington's brains in. I finally got to win. Cal's off the board. Yep. UT, UT, Arl- yeah. UT Arlington should have been more careful. Yeah. Um, so, like, Louisville's in between Stetson and Milwaukee. Just like Georgetown, this is one of the biggest programs of my childhood, and it is in such a bad situation now. And I really do believe if there's a 2020 NCAA tournament and if everybody just relaxes last season, and perhaps if there's no extortion case, mm-hmm. if Chris Mack were still the coach at Louisville today, Louisville's program would be in a, a much better place and be heading for good things. I, 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 would, I would bet that, that $500 I won earlier, I would bet that on that. All right, we're going to get to the rest of our list in just a second, but you know what we got to do first? That's right, GP. I'm taking the controls here. How about a word from our partners? This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. 
A reminder, if you want, you can now email the show, shouts to cbs at gmail.com. Shouts to cbs at gmail.com. We are loving the responses we've gotten, the emails, the correspondence, the questions. Continue sending them. You can send in a video if you'd like, 10 to 15 second video, ask a question, name, city, town, get out. We'll try and drop those in going forward on the show, on the YouTube channel. Continue to send us stuff. We love hearing from you. And thank you, as always, for subscribing. All right. So let's get to seven on our respective lists here. Uh, my seven one is not a good story, but it is a major story. And these are the biggest stories, in our opinion, in the year 2022. And it is the uh, the arrest and subsequent suspension of Chris Beard. There's actually an update that we can provide to this story since we last spoke, because on Friday night, Christmas Eve, Eve the 23rd, uh, there was a statement that was released on behalf of Randy True. She is the fiance of Chris Beard. And that came out uh, close to the 7 p.m. Eastern hour on the Friday of Christmas weekend. In that, I'm going to read this statement for you. If for whatever reason you did check out on College Hoop stuff for a few days, by all means, completely understand it. But there is an update on this story. Beard remains suspended. Uh, Texas has not said much. Texas is actually scheduled to play again on Wednesday. Um, here is what uh, Randy True's statement said, and uh, she released this through her lawyer. Chris and I are deeply saddened that we have brought negative attention upon our family, friends, and the University of Texas, among others. As Chris's fiance and biggest supporter, I apologize for the role I played in this unfortunate event. I realize that my frustration when breaking his glasses initiated a physical struggle between Chris and myself. Chris did not strangle me, and I told that to law enforcement that evening. Chris has stated that he was acting in self-defense, and I do not refute that. I do not believe Chris was trying to intentionally harm me in any way. It was never my intent to have him arrested or prosecuted. We appreciate everyone's support and prayers during this difficult time. This statement came approximately a week and a half after the initial arrest. I will note that officers did note and see... Um, scratches uh and other marks of uh, you know abuse on on true's body the, the night of the the night of of all of this and so um what actually is true here and what is not as as often unfortunately happens in domestic violence cases they are uh extremely complicated um i will note that the night that police did show up uh she did according to the arrest affidavit you know she told austin police quote just did not feel safe, end quote. And that is why she called uh, amid all of this. And the University of Texas told the Associated Press on Friday night as it searched for a statement, it said, we are reviewing the statement from Randy True. This matter is the subject of an internal investigation and the university does not comment on pending investigations. So we have no update on Beard's status. He remains suspended without pay. Um, and as we noted on our episode about this, you know, uh, what, two weeks ago now at this point um even if she, even if true were to request the third degree felony assault charge to be dropped uh, that that's immaterial at this point the state can and in many domestic violence uh incidents uh, often does still continue to try to pursue a case whether you actually get a conviction is an entirely different deal altogether there um obviously a very uh, it's an ugly story and uh a, a terrible one and you know taking no joy in including it on a list like this but it is a major story this is a this is a 
uh, one of the bigger programs in college sports, bigger athletic departments, uh, Texas operating as a top 10 team. Players have nothing to do with all this, right? They get tossed into this maelstrom GP and Chris Beard becoming one of the more well-known coaches in the sport over the past half decade. And then, you know, there's, there's video of him, you know, in, in a jumpsuit and handcuffs and, uh, and going before an appellate judge and all that. And so it is a major, it was, it was unquestionably one of the 10 biggest stories in college basketball in the year 2022 where it goes from here we'll see we might have another update before we even get to 2023 on the calendar but uh but this is a you know a significant uh, story and we wait to see how it uh it develops from here this was actually third on my list i mean i think it's a massive story yeah. i mean this is one of the i know his division one head coaching career is is short relative to you know the you know, future Hall of Famers or current Hall of Famers. But this is a guy who has developed, Chris Beard, a reputation very quickly as one of the very best coaches in the sport. Um, he's all, he, he has done he, – he's now had, I, mean, I guess, technically four jobs at the Division One level if you count UNLV, but he never coached a game there. He's coached a game as a head coach, three different uh, programs, Little Rock – um, Texas Tech and Texas, and at two of those, Little Rock and Texas Tech, he's literally done unprecedented things. Like done, like think of every person who's ever coached at those schools. They never were able to do what Chris Beard did in a short amount of time. It's a special coaching talent. I've had NBA scouts tell me that when they, you know, go around practices and just watch a a, a person run a practice. Nobody runs a better practice than Chris Beard. I've had multiple NBA people tell me that. So for him to currently be indefinitely suspended after being arrested and charged with a felony for allegedly strangling his fiance is a massive story. Like, think about if Brad Stevens would have got arrested for strangling his wife after going to back-to-back national title. Like, this is crazy. Like, his career is very much... Um, up in the air right now and as for what happened last friday night i don't want to say it was predictable but i will say that this is the type of thing that happens all the time in these cases if you go back and listen to the podcast we did i tried to explain how how this happens and some people took it as twisted it and made it into something it wasn't i was just explaining this happens all the time in these cases you put a little distance between the incident and 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 realize whoa what happened and what is happening now and people start to have regrets and change their stories and it's um it's 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 among the saddest things connected to these types of of episodes because like you have noted the police observed injuries on this woman this isn't a he said she said thing as much as it's a let's just look at her um, I remember dealing with a domestic violence case when I was a beat writer um, a long, long time ago. And the official story from the lawyer representing the student athlete was, you know, th this didn't really happen the way it's being reported happened. You know, the police report says some stuff, but that's not true. And I, I actually knew this young woman. I was a young reporter and I, I, I knew this woman. And I convinced her to let me come see her. Let me come see you before the bruising goes away, before the um, scars go away, 
before the scratches go away. Let me see you with my own eyes because nobody will be able to – as long as nobody sees you, they can always say you weren't really beat up. But if I see you and I document this with my own eyes, that's a different story. She let me do it. I went and sat with her, and I saw the black eye, and I saw the scratches. And I do think it contributed to the punishment that this student athlete got because I could say, hey, I've seen this woman with my own eyes. I know what she looks like. Somebody beat her up. And the police observed that in this incident, according to the affidavit. And so like you've noted from your reporting, just because she now says I didn't want Chris to be arrested or prosecuted doesn't mean that he will not be prosecuted. Doesn't mean that he won't um, face these charges. And I do think a little bit of this is probably semantics. Like she, she in her statement says, I never told police Chris strangled me. Well, what she did say, according to the affidavit, is he choked me. So we just are we really just are we arguing the difference between strangled and choke? That, that's what it looks like to me. And I don't doubt that she's telling the truth when she describes herself as the initiator of the, quote, struggle. But as I said on a previous podcast, if my wife takes my glasses and snaps them right in front of me, if I respond the way Chris allegedly responded, I will go to jail. It won't be my wife. It will be me. How about this? I have a dog who actually chews up remote controls and glasses and Nintendo Switch controllers. If he does that and then I react in a violent way toward my dog, that might get me a charge. Just because somebody does, particularly a woman, does something to you doesn't mean you can respond physically. I thought we all understood that, but uh, maybe not. We'll see where we go with that story. And obviously, no shortage of people still, uh, and understandably so, if not rightfully so, believe that Chris Beard shouldn't be coaching at Texas, regardless of whatever statement uh, his fiance is putting out. And yes, um, issues of domestic violence and how victims uh, respond initially versus how they respond once there is some time between uh, the incident and any of the follow up statements. Um, yeah, they, the stories can change, but that doesn't necessarily change the. Uh, the incident and the behavior at the heart of the matter. We'll see. What's number seven on your list, GP? Uh, the IARP decides to just let all the programs move on without any real penalties. You know, whether that's um, Memphis or Arizona, um, the, the, uh, this new committee that was supposed to reshape the way we do things basically just punted on their responsibilities, which is fine, whatever. Um, but for years, um, folks at Memphis, Arizona, and other schools dealing with IARP cases were very concerned about the possibility of eventually getting a postseason ban. And so far, none of them have. And at this point, I'm assuming none of them will. Yeah, this didn't make my top 10. It will absolutely, obviously make my list at cbsports.com. It will be pretty close to the top 10. The only reason why I didn't make my top 10 was because we had a lot of uh, nothing burgers or minimal burgers with all of that. Um, but in that in and of itself is a, is a major uh, development overall from a storyline perspective, considering the buildup and the buildup and the buildup to all of that. Um, what do you got? Uh, what do you, before I go my number six, let's, let's have you teed up first. What do you have for number six? Uh, this is one that included Oscar Shibway, as I noted earlier, yeah. Lot, lots of great bigs return to college basketball because the, you know, for two reasons, a, the NBA doesn't really want them and name, image, and likeness, you know, drew Timmy, Oscar Sheboy, Hunter Dickinson, Zach Eady, Armando Baycott, Trace Jackson Davis. Um, these are all guys who are established like all American level players. And they came back to school, you know, as somebody who has to write every 
October or November, like the preseason All-America teams. You know, I got to write the lead for that. And I'll go back and I'll look at the year before and I'll be like, God, there's only like we had three teams. We got to do three teams. We did three teams at the end of last season and only one player's back. Only two players are back. And name, image, and likeness combined with the way the NBA just doesn't value traditional bigs anymore has led to a bunch of All-American level guys coming back. And they're almost all bigs. And that is... Um, that's a direct reflection of the way the NBA feels about them. And then as we've gone over for years now, these guys, like I genuinely believe if name, image and likeness didn't exist and Drew Timmy could speak for himself, but if name, image and likeness didn't exist, Drew Timmy would just be on with whatever that looks like. He'd be on a two way deal or he'd be a second round pick on a two year guaranteed contract. He'd just be out of college. Cause at some point it's like, Listen, I'm going to have to play my way into the NBA. They ain't going to draft me to, to be there. I'm going to have to play my way in. Somebody as well get on with it. But now with name, image, and likeness, there's like you can honestly look at these players and say, hey, Drew Timmy, yeah, if you enter the 2022 NBA draft, you'll be picked in the 40s or 50s or something like that. And you'll sign a two-year, you know, $1.4 million contract. And that's unbelievable. But you can make more money than that playing college basketball at Gonzaga. The most money you can play playing basketball next season will be at Gonzaga. So you should just stay at Gonzaga. The, the, the way bigs are devalued at the NBA level combined with the emergence of name, image, and likeness really changed the sport in a significant way. Uh, no doubt about it. Not on my list, but under heavy consideration. And will also be on the greater list overall. That's just yeah, one of the biggest stories of the offseason there. It qualifies as one of the biggest stories of the year. And we've got a lot of familiar names. And part of the fun of this is that uh, the one name that returned that was a decently sized name, biggest human, is the biggest player right now is, is Zach Eadie. And he wasn't really in that conversation when we talked about this in the offseason. There really wasn't a lot of speculation over whether he would leave anyway. Right. But it's interesting to note that he's actually the best of the group. Uh, next on my list, um, I'm wondering where this is on yours. I got fi- to figure this is in your top 10. Uh, we're, going back to, we're going back to February and... I'm actually, I haven't decided fully. I, I, these are side by side for the purpose of this podcast. I haven't decided what will be ahead of the other one when I write this, but I have them literally side by side. And that's the, the fracas, the melee with Juwan Howard and Wisconsin in the postgame handshake line, going after Greg Gard initially, then lunging at, uh, at Joe Krabenhoff, the Wisconsin assistant. Um, the reason why this might be uh, arguably the bigger story is that there is video to accompany it. Um, Chris Beard's arrest didn't make the national news. I actually checked in on like CBS Evening News and NBC the following day just to see that didn't make national news. Juwan Howard's fight made national news. It made national nightly newscasts there. And I think it's the it's one Howard has been a well-known public figure for three decades going back to when he played at Michigan. And then you have the video element with all of this. He was obviously suspended to end the, the rest of the regular season. And uh, you just normally almost never see a head coach in this kind of spot, this kind of position. And this prompted, obviously, plenty of discussion and a lot of uh, digging in of heels on both sides. It is, I have to note, and and happy to report that seemingly uh, Greg Gard and Juwan Howard have uh, buried the hatchet uh, in, in many ways. And, and, and in fact, uh, I think they had some sort of uh, some sort of thing they did or photo op. I don't know what it was, but at uh, at Big Ten Media Day earlier this uh, earlier this year. So. Um, Happy to report uh, that. Although apparently, like Howard also had an issue late in the game. Someone hit me up. I didn't see this in real time, but I think I saw was- him in a huddle. He was getting pretty 
something he happened. Did, yeah. yeah, he was but it. like yeah. yeah, it was just I don't want to yeah. make it. I'm not making a mountain. Yeah, it, yeah, it it, it felt are, like people that are anti Jawan Howard. It's one of those things. Right. You know how this goes. You have this thing with Wisconsin. Anytime this ever happens again, something people are going to pounce on it. And that's, that's right. the exact this is the exact it's the it's the Grayson Allen effect, if you will. It, any you do this, you develop a reputation after one major incident. Anytime you even get close to that behavior again, everyone's going to just flock to it like moss to a flame. So anyway, uh, that's next on my list. Is that one on your list, GP? I didn't put it on my list. And and I don't I, I know that in the moment it was big because like. It's like leads the podcast. It is national news. And yes, it's a it's because of the video element. Like you can show it on national news. Here's a basketball coach slapping another basketball coach. Um, th- of course, that's going to make national news. Um, but as I thought about it from the perspective of December 27, 2022. Didn't amount to anything. John Howard kept his job. Greg and Juwan, if they're not cool, they at least t- took a picture together smiling uh, it just feels like nothing like like Chris Beard getting arrested. Like that's a that changes something. Juwan Howard yeah. slapping a Wisconsin assistant didn't act, it. It was like this thing that happened and everybody was talking about it and watching mm-hmm. the replay. And then it just it doesn't matter. Yeah. OK. I still think it's it's attached to Juwan Howard's image. And I don't know if that fades. Away, well, that, that so. is true, because the way you described this latest incident, I don't even know if it was an incident, is exactly right. If that were. um if that were Mick Cronin doing literally the exact same thing that Juwan Howard did, people would just like not even they'd just be like, man, it looks like the greatest coach in UCLA history is a little upset. That's all anybody would have said. But because it's Juwan, like I wasn't watching the game live, but I did see it somewhere. And it was like, ooh, look at Juwan Howard. And I was like, yeah, it looks like he's a little upset coaching basketball. I don't care. Um, not so, not you can jump in real quick here because not a mentioned the comments that was at Jumpman uh, that was at the Jumpman event uh, in in Charlotte there. Um, did you did you pick that up in real time being in the building there? Nada? No, that was afterwards. I didn't pick that up until afterwards. It's funny though because certain things. The one thing I worry about with this Jawan Howard thing is that certain things do travel with certain coaches, and I don't. Unfortunately, I don't want to see this travel with Jawan, but unfortunately it may be one of those things that ends up traveling with him because of how big it was and it being a national news story. Well, I do think um, like all of my personal interactions with Juwan are awesome. Like I've never had a bad moment with him. Every interview, um, every just like sit down at a grassroots thing. I've never, like I find him to be a pleasant, thoughtful, um, like likable guy. I think he just has a temper, uh, you know, and that doesn't excuse it. I just think it explains it. I think he, I think he can go. I, I mean, think he can this, go. This, yeah. I can I think he can go from zero to one hundred pretty he's quick. Soaking, soaking Fran McCaffrey, and he's never shaken that either. Here, you know. Right. Right. So yeah. Every time Fran, like you know, slams a chair, that becomes a. And there was you had Fran trying to burn, uh, burn the holes for someone's head, like or an official's head, in like three games ago, right? Like it's just he looks like he becomes possessed. So I don't know. It's, yeah, I, uh, I think I, I think Juwan. My my impression of Juwan is. Nice man, incredibly talented, um, seems like a great father, and is a he's got a bit of a temper, and that shows up. That shows up sometimes. I right, doesn't. I want to be clear. That you, we've said this before. You can't slap people in the handshake line. That's crazy. That's Thank crazy. You. It's crazy behavior. But I, yeah. I think he's just. I think he's got a temper that probably uh, runs a little further than most people's. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky 
co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, let's get to our top five. Here's my number five. My number five story of the of the year. is, And I almost think a little bit of this has been, uh, and this folds into a little bit you, what you talked about earlier. So I don't, we're not going to, you're not going to have the same number uh, here. Kansas came, dude, Kansas came back from a 16-point deficit to win the national title. Okay? It was the biggest deficit ever overcome in a national championship game. I, I almost feel like that factoid gets lost a little bit, which is all the more surprising considering it was Kansas versus Carolina, two programs who have so many interlinking connections between coaches o- over the decades. Really, it's the, the threads that tie those two universities together is actually pretty fascinating from a basketball standpoint. But yeah, UNC led 38-22 with 2.23 left in the first half and left 40-25 to at halftime. Kansas comes back, wins it. Jalen Wilson, Dave McCormick each had 15 points. Remy Martin had 14. Christian Brown and Abaji had 12. Remember, Abaji won most outstanding player. I'll do respect. I loved Abaji is really one of my um, more favorite interviews in college hoops in the past four or five years. Uh, that was McCormick's award. Like Abaji had no business winning the MOP. That is McCormick's award. He was the most outstanding player over those two games down in New Orleans. Uh, Kansas's largest lead in the game was 7 nothing to start it out. They got out to a hot start, and then Carolina roared back and, uh, and outscored KU 40-18 to for the rest of the first half there. So KU winning the title. Mark Emmert, Kansas City Jayhawks. <laughs> Bill Self getting his, getting his second and doing it in literally historic fashion. To me, that's the fifth biggest story of 2022. I remember some Kansas fans thinking Mark did that on purpose to, like, mess up no, the Scott. moment. No shot. He just nobody wants to look stupid on purpose. <laughs> and he just looked he looked ridiculous. Um, so that's, that's the last actually, one, by the way, because the new guy, Charlie Baker, I, I think he's maybe I'm wrong. Actually, maybe Emmert's on stage in Houston. I thought Baker was going to start before the final four happens, but I don't have that in front of me. But th- that might be Emmert's final trophy handing situation in men's basketball, Kansas State Jayhawks. Um, that's number four on my list. I sort of packaged it in this way. Bill Self wins second national title at Kansas with an NCAA cloud over the program. Um, the details are, as you you know, noted, come from 16 down to beat North Carolina in the title game. So Bill now has two national championships and 16 Big 12 titles in 19 seasons. Never finished worse than third in the Big 12. Just allow me to go through the resume for a second. You know, he was in the Big Ten for three seasons at Illinois, shared two league titles, and finished second the other year. It's outrageous. Just, hey, you're going to randomly coach a Big Ten program for a three-year period. Okay, cool. I'll finish first, first, and second. 
What? Then he leaves a t- Bruce Weber with Darren Williams, D. Brown, Roger Powell, and Luther Head. So then Bruce, I think two years later, takes you know a group to the national title game. Bill Self is now coached in three leagues. The WAC? I should have asked. Ooh, that was a trivia time. Can you name the three leagues Big J- Bill Self's coached in? Yeah. Dude, of said, course you can. Yeah. Would, you, would you have known yeah. the WAC? Yeah. Was, you would have known the Yeah. Oral Roberts? Tulsa, Tulsa, um, Tulsa was in the whack. Oral Roberts was an independent while he was independent. there. I was just say, well, yeah, that's and I didn't know if Oral Roberts was in a league, and then Tulsa being in the whack back when the whack was well, it was a different whack than we know now. It was a different whack than we know now. Okay, so he's coaching uh, so three three leagues. He's won multiple titles in all three leagues. The accomplishments are incredible, and that's why he is now widely considered to be the best active coach in, in college basketball. So you said that was number four on your list. Did we yeah. miss what number five is, or did we already touch on that? Well, I just wanted to double up on the Kansas conversation while you were noting yeah. it was number five for you. It was number four for me. Number five for me? Okay. The Peacocks in the Elite Eight. That low, huh? I got this. By the way, a lot of people want this, so here we go. <coughs> One more time. What I did not include in that drop, by the way, is, uh, and no, I will not do an impression of you doing an impression of Peacock. You also said the name Jonathan Chama Chachua while making. (laughs) 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 Well, note, St. Peter's did not play Baylor in the NCAA. I know. I just wanted to, I was just on a roll. I was feeling myself a little bit, you know? And I was like, what else, what else can I do that nobody else can do? And I was like, pronounce Jonathan Chama Chachua. So I'm going to do that too. It just felt I was, I was I was feeling myself a little bit. I was like nobody nobody can do a peacock impersonation like me. Nobody can do a Jonathan Chamwa Chachua uh, pronunciation like me. I'm gonna put them together. I go down in history. No matter what happens from here, Norlander. No matter what happens from here, I have a legacy, and my legacy is that I can incorporate a Jonathan Chamwa Chachua pronunciation into a St. Peter's peacock impersonation. It's true. Our Twitter account uh, asked for your favorite memories from the pod. Uh, this one. The funniest part is you tried to te- the funniest part of that whole thing is that you tried to tee me up on it, and, and and you had no idea. Oh no, I'm ready for this. I've been practicing okay, so on my car back from the studio to the hotel. Okay. The way that I remember this, and we'll get to the you know the actual damn team here in a second. The way I remember it, first of all. Um, I was practically dying. I had no voice. And uh, like I had traveled all uh, work all day, like all of it. The Wi-Fi remember I had the terrible Wi-Fi, but St. Peter's wins. And then I think someone tweeted at us or tweeted at me. I must have been at us because you saw it like you had to have seen the tweet and said, you need to get Paris to do a Peacock impression on this podcast. And I thought. It's late. He's coming from the studio. I'm going to try it, but there's maybe it'll be something. Lo and behold, you spent the entire Uber ride home from the studio to your hotel YouTubing and perfecting mm-hmm. in the and that's really the audio that we'll never have that I really want is you in the back of an Uber uh, quietly trying to just get this out and not affect the driver. That's 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 yeah. what I wish that's what I wish we had. I saw the same tweet you did and I was like I got 7 minutes in this car. I'm going to work on this. I'm going to see if I can perfect this. I'm like I'm like some people have referred to me as college basketball's Chloe Feynman. That's the way some people refer to me. 
I feel like only you are referring to yourself as college basketball's club. To, well, to date, to date, I'm the only person who's ever called me that. Okay. But I, okay. but I feel like now it's going to catch on. You've got this at five. I've got this at two. To me, the St. Peter's Elite Eight run amounts to a top three memorable Cinder, maybe the number one Cinderella run. Ever, although if you like Butler making back to back title games when Butler was in the horizon, that's number one to me. Two years, you know, over two years, same same coach, largely the same players. That's the best. And then I would say probably Mason to the final four, the way Mason did it. And then St. Peter's here as a 15 seed getting to the Elite Eight. The team won seven straight going into the NCAAs, was given practical. I mention this every March when we do our selection Sunday show. What I love about the tournament is. There will inevitably be, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten different games where you'll see people t- talking about this is going to be an upset. This is going to be upset. No one. I know that, like, statistically speaking, if we had gone to the CBS Sports uh, bracket games, like, you know, four percent of people would have picked St. Peter's over Kentucky. So I get that. But the point is, in terms of discussion, no one was giving St. Peter's a shot and nor, nor should they. But what a fantastic freaking game against that. That was against Kentucky. Largest lead was six points for Kentucky with more than three minutes to go. They lost it because of the free throws. I went back and looked at the box score of the Kentucky game. St. Peter's went 18 for 21 from the line. Kentucky twenty made more foul shots, 23 to St. Peter's 18, but went 23 of 35 from the line. That's really amounted to the difference there. But to me, it's like the Murray State win. Murray State was a good team that had lost two games all season, man. They beat them by 10, and then they beat Purdue 67-64. Jaden Ivey's college career ends with a nine-point game against the Peacocks. Zach Eady, this year's front runner for National Player of the Year, he had 11. St. Peter's, again, awesome from the foul line, 19 of 21, and they only had eight turnovers to produce 15, had nine steals to produce two steals. That game was never – I watched that game with some fellow hacks out in San Francisco because that was a, that was an off day. I was out there obviously covering uh, Duke and Gonzaga in San Francisco, so I watched that at some uh, some sort of sports bar. It was actually a pretty good, uh, pretty good vibe. It was um, – uh, Paulo Bancaro's parents were, uh, were, were at the table next to us watching watching this. And it was an amazing game. There was never a larger never a larger margin that whole game, St. Peter's-Purdue, than six points. My last note on this is we talk about St. Peter's. We'll always talk about St. Peter's. I actually want to mention the players on this that helped do this because uh, I, I think as we get five, ten years down the road, I think Shaheen Holloway's name will be overwhelmingly associated with this run, and I understand that he's the coach. And maybe Doug her a little bit because he had the mustache and – he got the uh, the big NIL deals. But Casey Indefa was the best player on that roster. Clarence Rupert, Matthew Lee, Daryl Banks, San Drame, Doug Eddard. Shouts to all of them for giving us one of the better NCAA tournament stories in the event's history. And, you know, a refreshing reminder amid another story that didn't make my top 10, but will be on the, on the site on Wednesday. NCAA tournament expansion concerns, like we're still not there with all that stuff, but this St. Peter's run, you know, setting the table for what it would eventually be a pretty talked about story in the offseason was a reminder of why the tournament is awesome the way it is and doesn't really need any kind of tinkering. It also uh, what St. Peter's did last season sets Purdue up for a Virginia type Ooh. bounce back, which it's, it's not apples to apples because one was in the Sweet 16 and the other was in the first round. But I couldn't help but think Virginia loses to UMBC comes back, wins the national title. We could be Purdue loses to St. Peter's, comes back, wins national title. Like that's that's very much on the table. Agreed. You got any more St. Peter's notes before I get to my number four? I, I will say I'm not proud of this, but like as I was um putting a list together, I was like, all right, trivia time. I trivia time myself. Sometimes when I'm alone, I trivia time myself. Mm. 
And uh, I said, okay, start naming St. Peter's players from last season. And I was like, Doug Eddard. And, and then I just started doing a Peacock impersonation over and over again to distract myself. I, the, I don't know how, how memorable the individuals are outside of Shaheen and Eddard, but that story is a story that people will remember for a long, long time. Yeah, it's the golf. It's the Gulf Coast thing. You remember Andy Enfield, and you remember that they were Dunk City, but you don't. I mean, I remember Brett Comer and Bernard Thompson. I, I remember. remember I remember Andy and Amanda. That's it. Let me look up this roster here. Hold on. I, Brett, I, Brett Comer and Bernard Thompson. I think were the two best players. I mean, that was 2013 Florida Gulf Coast. Uh, well, no, nobody got more te- television time than Amanda Enfield. Here we go. Sherwood Brown. How do you not remember Chase Feeler, Eric McKnight? Oh yeah, McKnight. Yeah, yeah. He was uh he was one of the bigs there. But the the point is I wanted to at least mention those dudes because they did a they did a great job. They deserve recognition. All right, number four, and this is where we we split on our methodology. I'm going Carolina over Duke at Cameron to wrap Coach K's final game in that hallowed house. It was it was Shashevsky's, it was his day, it was his week. And then it was North Carolina's night, my man. 94 to 81. I was there courtside. And the the craziest stat for me about the game is that Baycott at 23, Love at 22, RJ Davis at 21, Brady Manick at 20. It was the first and only time UNC in its history has ever had four players score at least 20 in a game. And they did it in this game. They did it at Cameron. And it was well, a couple things tied to this one with the podcast. Uh, I remember being down there in Chapel Hill. Um, excuse me, in Durham. It wasn't in Chapel Hill. And uh, and you saying it would be the funniest thing ever, man, if Carolina. Because re- <laughs> remember, like now we've got we we've got the Carolina tournament run all the way to the title game. But right before this game, like Carolina was a bubble team. It was a bubble team. It, it you know it conceivably could work its way into the tournament. That wasn't it wasn't unthinkable. They weren't like far far out. They were just kind of a true like on the fence team. And Almost given no shot. And it's our, just another reminder of, of why we should never allow ourselves to ever truly be stunned at any result in sports, but why we should always allow ourselves the capacity to be stunned and shocked by this because it makes sports that much more enjoyable, that much more fun. I separate the last game at Cameron versus the Final Four. Obviously, we're going to be getting to that if this one comes first. I still got that on my list. But... One of my favorite, more memorable all-time assignments as a, as a sports writer, going down there and getting down there a few days early, kind of just being around Durham, uh, getting to talk to uh, you know Duke's players. They 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 seemed relatively non-stressed with all this stuff, but there was obviously a certain level of, amount of that. And actually, I heard Ben Caro, he went on JJ Reddick's podcast recently and was talking about how he had never felt as terrible as he did after that game and like before Shashevsky walked into the locker room after they had lost. Cause, cause Duke had the lead early and then Carolina is, they, it's the way they did it. GP. It's not even like Carolina did it the way they did it in the final four, 94, 81. It was get the hell out of here. There's 95 Shashevsky alumni sitting right there. Look, looking like a, uh, a, a, you know, an ersatz Duke student section, right? They're all wearing the same stuff and uh, they're all standing up and just deflated, Slowly but surely, and just to see like Battier next to Wojo, next to Reddick, next to all these guys, and uh, and to see Carolina do this, just a, an awesome, awesome all time story. That's number four for me. Yeah, um, I remember that podcast right before the game, and I was like, you know, nobody's 
like, have we talked about like how funny it would be if North Carolina wins this game? Because it was like not even part of the discussion. And then I remember watching the game from home, and I was this is the way I sort of processed the whole thing. Oh wow, they might have a chance to do this. Oh man, are they going to do this? Surely Duke's not going to let them do this. What in the world? They did it. Like it was like I kept waiting for something to change, and it just never in that second half. It just never did. And instead of Duke making that run to get back in it, it just like Carolina kind of pulled away. And yes, that was a big, big moment. Um, and, you know, sort of the way I try to think about these things are what you what will you remember in five years? What will you remember in ten years? And North Carolina winning at Cameron in Kay's final home game. Is something that you will, if you follow college basketball, you'll never forget that. Again, I incorporated all of that stuff into North Carolina and made North yeah. Carolina in 2022 number one. Um, you, know, you, you broke it up into like seven different stories. <laughs> so, but whatever, it's fine. Um, okay, so where are we at? Number four? My number four was Bill Self. My number three was yeah. Chris Beard getting arrested. We've been over that. So yeah, I'm so up to number three. two. Yeah. Do your number three. I think my three is going to be your two then. Jay Wright retires out of nowhere in April. That's my number two. Yeah. Jay Wright, 642 and 482 all-time record. Uh, this was one where, I don't know if I've mentioned this on the podcast. I, I, got, I got tipped off to this early that afternoon, and my initial tip on it was that it's going to happen and it'll probably happen early next week. So I want to say this happened on a Wednesday that the news broke, I think. And the initial thought was, you know, by this time next week, maybe Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, like this could happen. And then what I think happened was that it started to really percolate behind the scenes. And and I talked to Jay about this. I didn't mention this on the pod. I think we were going to get to it when he came on the pod and maybe we'll get to it the next time he's on. But he knew... Because he did not want to announce this. It was the day before the team banquet, like the end of the season banquet. He did not want to tell his team before the banquet. He wanted to tell him after. He wanted to wait. But it was reaching a point where someone clearly got back to Jay Wright and was like, this is not going to last another 24 hours. You need to do something. So he winds up calling an emergency team meeting that night at 8 o'clock and then informs his team because his assistants knew at that point and not many other people knew Um and so, yeah, out of nowhere, a bolt from the blue. We're talking about a coach who was expected to be as prominent of a face in college basketball and in coaching circles as there was on the heels of Mike Krzyzewski retiring. Lo and behold, the 2022 Final Four winds up having two coaches that would lose in that Final Four on the same night and never coach again. Mike Krzyzewski and Jay Wright. And I remember Jay Wright also telling me, he 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 thought that someone asked him something at the final. Uh, remind me to ask him this again when he came. I know, up, I, know up, I know, I know the story. I know, I know the story. He thought he was caught dead to rights. He's like, no, no, I, I, know, I, no, I know the story. Um, okay. Dane O'Neill asked Jay, like, you know, can you imagine what it would be like to be Mike Shashevsky right now, knowing you're on the verge of of coaching your your final game? And he answered it the way he answered it. And then, as Jay tells the story. He then walks off the stage and like, you know, you're behind some curtains and his wife yeah. was there and he was like, she knows she knows because Jay said at that point at the final four, he already knew it was his last. He was done. And 
And he he was like, Dana knows. And then he saw Dana and she was like, hey, Jay, whatever. And it was very normal. And he was like, oh, she doesn't know. But there was a moment where he was like, I think I'm busted that question. And that's just like when you're in your head a little bit. That's all that yeah. was. But but he he did have that moment where he was like, oh, wow, Dana knows. And if anybody would know, it'd probably be Dana. Right. Because she yeah. was uh, his beat writer and, you know, is based in Philly and like knows that program better than anybody. Yeah. And there was also a moment that we shared on the pod. I don't have the drop here ready, unfortunately, where um, Dick Weiss hoops, uh, who also always asks, you know, knows Big East basketball, Villanova, uh, as well as really anyone been around forever, Hall of Fame writer. And so as as had become custom at some point in the past decade, uh, whenever Hoops would tee up Jay at a press conference, uh, he would say Hoops is in the house and I always be like Hoops is in the house. And on this one, they lose. He asks a question and Jay Wright says Hoops is in the house. And as Hoops starts asking the question over the mic, they've got crosstalk and Jay says, I get to say it one last time. And so I don't know if it's subconscious, but he says it. It's clear as day. And if you were, there was no reason to think that this was, that's the whole thing. That's why this story is so high. It came out of nowhere. But if you had any inclination about it, he, you know, on some level, I think the, the weight of this decision was reaching such immense proportions. Cause I remember talking to Jay afterward. I think Villanova was like, Hey, Jay, listen, if you want, cause they, it's Jay, right. They don't want him to leave. They understand if he wants to leave, but they do not want him to leave. They're like, if you want to wait until like June, July to get this done, like we will, we want to wait. We, and Jay, I can't do this anymore. Like we got to, we have to do this. I have, I cannot go out of April and, and not make this announcement there. So yeah, man, 34 wins in the NCAA tournament, two national titles, eight Big East regular season title, five Big East tournament titles, three national coach of the year awards, the 2010 AP coach of the decade. And rightfully so. And he was also an assistant on the gold medal winning Olympic team that uh, that captured gold in 2021. Huge, huge story. Any other thoughts on, uh, well, on our, I, on our I, colleague, I Jay Wright? Our colleague, our friend and colleague, Jay Wright. I do think uh, that the hoops moment was a tell. Whether he did it intentionally or not, that, that was a tell. Uh, it's one of those things where you say something and you know what it means, but nobody else possibly could. Like, um, I don't mean to compare myself to Jay Wright. <laughs> But I did recently surprisingly leave a job and uh, I knew I was doing it a few days before I announced it and I was still doing that job. And there are moments if you go back and listen to a radio show like on Wednesday or Thursday, the days before, um, I'm not encouraging anybody to do this. Trust me, I'm never going to do it. But um, I, 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 I can remember these moments where I was saying things and I was like, oh, wow, like I'm this like this is really winding down and nobody else knew it other than like, you know, my wife or whatever. We're very close. But like there are moments I'm sure you could find in those shows. Dan O'Neill. Yeah, Dan O'Neill. Knew. <laughs> yeah, Dan O'Neill. Knew. <laughs> and um, there are moments I remember. I don't remember the specifics of it, but I remember at one point talking to my producer on air like last Thursday and it was like, um, Oh, you don't even need me here. Like, see everything. Like, something happened with Isaac. Like, see, everything's fine without me. It doesn't matter. It doesn't really matter if I'm here or not. And if you don't, you know, you just think that's me talking. If you just listen, to, if you don't know any better. But if you know, I'm really about to not be here. Uh, for people who don't know, I left my radio show. I'm going to be doing something different going forward. Um, but that was a. I, I thought about that. I thought about Jay when I when I did that because I felt like that was similar to that hoops Weiss moment just on a much lower uh, unimportant level with Jay uh, the, the the thing that makes it such so high on my list is this is one of the all-time greats he's one of the all-time great coaches who retired at 60 just turned 61 by the way on Christmas Eve happy birthday Jay he's uh 
and it wasn't like the program had slipped in any way whatsoever. He had made nine straight NCAA tournaments, won championships in 16 and 18, made the final four last season, had a top 20 team, maybe top 15 team, come maybe top 10 team coming back. Like he, you know, this wasn't like eh, it might be time to go. This was like, I feel like I just don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to speak for Jay, but I mean, you talk about walking away when you are still operating at the tip top of the sport. That's what he did. Not, not many coaches do this, but that is what Jay did. I'm a, I got the clip here. Now I'm going to play this. On, it's on Twitter. Now be, I, I hope this works flawlessly. Be warned. Cause I, I, have, <laughs> I hope it doesn't. No. Okay. Well, no, the point is that there was another clip of you that I tried to pull from Twitter for, for the audio board here. And it was, the audio was jumbled to Twitter's Twitter's like, House of Cards right now. It's falling apart. So let's see if this plays. It's eight seconds long. Let's see if this works correctly. Let's go down front to Hoops. Jay, how are you? Hoops um, is in the house. Get to say it. One last David time. McCormick tonight. Boom. And if you look yeah. at his face there, he looks dejected as all hell. Like, proud of the moment. He didn't think they were making the final four. They get there. And, uh, and there you go, lo and behold. Okay, so we already know your one. We've got to get right. to my one, which means the only thing left is your number two, right? What's number two? Or was Jay Wright well, your number two? Jay Wright was number two. My list is done. You're done. You're done. What, what am I? Skating on the weekend, skiing on the weekdays, snow. What is, is that? What is going on? Why is my Apple Watch giving me skiing suggestions? First of all, I need that. What is going on? Sit down. Do a puzzle. Wrap up. Gifting bustle. Sit down. Eat a truffle. Warm up. Winter hustle. It's like a rap song. What are they doing? Is it trans? Is it transcribing lyrics from whatever song you might have been listening to this morning? Why is my Apple Watch rapping to me? It's like I've got Megan the Stallion on my wrist. What if I had Megan the Stallion on my wrist? Wouldn't that be something? You wouldn't be yeah. doing this podcast if you had Megan the Stallion on your wrist. We all know I, what would happen. I would have. I would. I would do this podcast with Megan the Stallion on my wrist. We got to. We got to keep an eye out for that Tory Lanes fella. He's dangerous. Honestly, what the, what the hell is that? I don't. That's know. That's never happened before. I'll tell you what, the one. Yes, every once in a while, my Apple Watch will start talking to me. I, the funniest one. This isn't funny. I'm not trying to make light of anything. Just you know, how sometimes when you're on a golf course, you will say things that you you would never say in a normal setting. You just out of frustration, you just say these things. Justin Thomas knows what I'm talking about. So I'm on the. I'm, I miss like a five four foot putt like an important putt and I, I, and I, 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 I pick my ball up and I'm walking back to the cart and I just sort of mumble to myself. I go, I'm going to kill myself. And my Apple watch said, if you need to talk to someone, please call 1-800 blah, 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 blah. And I was like, shut up. Apple watch. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not really, I'm not really going to in, in things over a five foot putt. But that was like, that uh, was one of that Apple watch is wild, man. Mind of its own. It's another contributor to the podcast. <laughs> I was wondering what was going on there. Okay, last one before we get to a, a few funds to wrap it up here. I, I do have Carolina beating Duke in the Final Four to end Mike Krzyzewski's career as, as the number one story. I consider that a related but separate deal. The the, the Cameron game and the, and the Final Four game are just about a month apart there. Um, it, it goes down to me as probably the most consequential Final Four game in history. These teams had never met in the tournament. They meet in the final four. They meet in the tournament for the first time, and it's on a final four stage. Largest lead in the game was seven. 
constant tension. Caleb Love, he's almost absolved for it. I understand Carolina fans right in here and now. They're like, oh, my gosh, here we go again. He had 28 points and hit the biggest, one of the biggest shots in Carolina history. One of the biggest, not the biggest, obviously, but one of the biggest. Uh, RJ Davis had 18, Baycott 11 and 13. Baycott completed a first ever uh, six doubles, doubles and six NCAA tournament games. No player had ever done that before. Bancaro had 20. Keels had 19 for Duke. It's also, you know, it was our first normal tournament since 2019. It's Coach K, you going in, we don't know. Is it going to be his last game? Is it not going to be his last game? It winds up being his last game. He loses to Carolina. This is the ultimate trump card in that rivalry forever carolina has the upper hand on duke forever because of this and it's just phenomenal that we were gifted these two programs on a stage that big the only thing that would have been better obviously would have been a national title game but whatever we get it in a national semifinal. the game was tremendous and unc seals it with with love shot over Mark Williams' outstretched arm and to me because it was those two programs and it was shashevsky and because my Guster sticker was on television <laughs> 79 times that game, it's the biggest story of the year, 2022. That's a list. That's a list. Here's some, uh, one of my favorites, some, some ephemera, if you will. Stuff that, uh, that, didn't, that, didn't, make, uh, that didn't make it toward uh, the top. I loved, uh, well, first of all, a few notable passings. Let's, let's mention that. Rest in oh, peace. Yeah, let, yeah, let, yeah, let's end on a, let's end on yeah, I won't a end joy- on it. Let's end on a joyful <laughs> note. Pete Carrill. Tell me about Caleb. everybody who died, Norlander. All right. Pete Carrill. This just a quick handful. Pete Carrill, Caleb Swanigan, Adrian Payne, Bill yeah. Russell, obviously more known at the NBA level, but really one of the early college greats in San Francisco. Louis Orr, we recently lost. Joe B. Hall died in January of this year, so a few college basketball notables. Um, other this stuff is, is going to be like the Oscars where you forget somebody and there's going to be protest about it. You're going to have to subsequently apologize. No protests. Uh, if I missed anyone, I'm going to rely on your Apple Watch to... Uh, if they, they protest Craig Escherich, they you don't think they'll protest you? <laughs> no. no <laughs> I, don't, I don't have that Escherich mustache. No chance. Um, one of my favorite stories I did, uh, not that I took join it, but I was very proud of, of getting to, uh, to get to tell the story was all the players from Ukraine uh, who were dealing with a lot back in February and March uh, as they were uh, going about living in this country and, and having family members um, go through a ton. And some of them obviously still are uh, some of those players, by the way, I had did do follow-ups just kind of informally uh, over the summer. And some of those players actually had family that, that got out and, uh, and are more than safe and more than okay, which is, which is wonderful to hear. Um, couple other ones, Johnny Davis, Keegan Murray going from breakout candidates to top 10 picks and first team all Americans. One that didn't make my list because it's not truly a college basketball story, but it was like college basketball. It was podcast attached. It was Bancaro going one as a last-minute surprise in the NBA draft. That's not really a college basketball story, but we did do a whole profile of Bancaro on the pod. So if you if you follow the pod, like for our intents and purposes here, like that was really one of the bigger stories there because everyone had Jabari Smith going until you know seven fifteen uh, that night. Leaky Leaky Black coming on the pod, big time. Uh, have to mention the Guster sticker, everything that came along with that. Um, that was, yeah, that was just unreal. And then going on stage with uh, with Guster in August, that was an all-time memory there. So my continued uh, thanks and shouts to uh, to the guys uh, in Guster. Uh, I love Drew Timmy, soft guys, uh, post-game, where he wanted to, uh, he wanted to curse, but he actually, for a rare time, he, he filtered he filtered himself, which was awesome. Because nobody, because guys. Because nobody's ever said soft guys before. That's no. like not a, that's not an expression. 
We're not a bunch of soft guys. I think I think he was trying to he was trying to recall quote himself about what he said in the in the locker room, and uh, and that's not what he said. But whatever. Uh, Maui going back to Maui. I loved that. Final four. We're going to Vegas in a few years. That got announced this year. That's a good thing. Miller brothers get back into coaching. Sean's doing a good job at Xavier. Archie's kind of going through it right now at Rhode Island. Um, what else? Uh, podcast memory that I enjoyed was uh leaky black obviously getting on the pod jerry palm dropping daggers on folks remember when he, we had him on for one like <laughs> random bracket episode and he was just destroying fools left and right um i think he took out an entire program there i think he took uh, out the whole acc i think that's what he did yeah i think he did he took out the whole acc um me asking you who was dean smith before he was dean smith and you said he was dean smith remember that, <laughs> remember that? well he was I know, I know. That was that might that might be my favorite podcast moment of the uh, of the year. Also, uh, a few from Twitter here. Um, somebody, 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 I saw in the comments. Somebody said, "I forgot about this." That time, what? my wallet went to New Jersey. Oh yeah, my whole phone yeah. and wallet went to New Jersey. <laughs> I, had to, I had to recoup that from New Jersey. And then yeah. somebody mentioned the time I lost my passport and CBS ID in Las Vegas, and it had to be returned to me by a woman. Who made weed cookies? Yeah, that's a true story. That's some big ones there. Uh, another person says when you uh, the pre and post game analysis of Coach K's last game in Cameron, specifically when Paris speculated on what it would take for him to get ejected from the game. Do you remember what he'd have to be ejected? What did we I think have he had to? to I think he had to urinate on the court. No, on a ref. It was on not the court. <laughs> on, on an official. That was that was. <laughs> Yeah, um, we got a few notes on people thanking us for the Bellarmine podcast, specifically because they were so confused at first, and then they loved it when Bellarmine beat Louisville, and it became super relevant on the podcast, uh, for sure. You're welcome. That's true. That's all nada. Yeah. That is a nada special right there. I initially cussed about that. Yeah, yeah, and now look. And now, now look, look at us. Um, someone said, Paris's story of, of covering from Cameron indoor with his head and taking heavy damage. I don't remember that. Maybe you were, maybe something happened when you were cut. You were at a previous Duke. Well, game I, I, told, I told a story about being on, if you're on press row at Cameron, yes. like you have, you have like 21 year old boobs on your head. Like that's a thing that's happening. That's, okay. okay. So, you know, all right. Oh, yeah, it's go. creepy. If you turn around and look at them, you can't do that. But if you can just focus on the court, you have like right there. Yeah, that's true. Um, if there are more, by the way, and you're watching this, leave them in the comments after the video post. Leave them in the comments below or find us uh, and do follow the podcast. And then one of my more favorite ones that I'm going to keep on the board here. Where is this one here? Um, this one. This one right here. I, I, I like this one. It's, it's nice and short, but um, top five podcast moment for me this year. I'm a sun devil. <laughs> Look at me. I'm a sun devil. I'm a sun devil. Look at me. I'm a sun devil. Uh, just I like that more than the peacock one personally. <laughs> so that was a highlight. That's pretty much that's pretty much all I got. Goofy, goofy, goofy. What well, a trip down memory lane. Glad we did that. Just <laughs> Devin Downey, shouts to Chester, South Carolina, shouts to Larnell and Huck. Thank you guys once again for listening to Ion College Basketball Podcast. If you're not subscribed, please go subscribe anywhere you subscribe to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, over at Apple. Leave nice reviews. Five stars, types of words. There's more of us than there are of, of them. If you haven't smashed the like button yet here on YouTube, please knock that out. Subscribe to the YouTube channel, and we will talk to you again real, real soon. Till then, take care.
Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.